Today is Thursday, September 15th, and you're listening to the Morning Announcements presented by Betches Media. I'm your host, Sammy Sage, and the Morning Announcements is your daily five-minute breakdown of the headlines that isn't afraid to take a side and roast the most consequential reality show there is, our government. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp Online Therapy can help you take charge of your mental health. Join today and get matched with your own licensed professional therapist in less than 48 hours. New Hampshire, Rhode Island, and Delaware held their primaries on Tuesday, marking the final primaries of the 2022 season. The most contested race we watched this week is for a Senate seat in New Hampshire. The Democratic candidate will be incumbent Maggie Hassan, who will face off against Republican Don Boldick. He's a veteran and an election denier, and he is running on a hard right platform, so much so that Democrats actually wanted him to win over his moderate primary opponent and put funding into campaign advertising towards that goal which is definitely one way to spend your money. I'm more of a funding the candidate we believe in kind of gal, personally. Anyway, it's going to be a close race between Hassan and Baltic, which is not great, especially given Lindsey Graham's abortion proposal distraction in the Senate, which could quickly become reality if Democrats lose the Senate in November. Rhode Island, the current Governor Daniel McKee won the Democratic nomination to run for his first full term in office after he stepped into this one when the former Governor Gina Raimondo went to serve in the Biden administration as Commerce Secretary. McKee will face Republican nominee Ashley Callis, a first-time candidate who just moved from Illinois last year and is the owner of a COVID-19 testing company that's currently in a dispute with the state over a canceled contract which is sort of like the beginner's version of getting into a dispute with your own country over stolen documents. The House January 6th committee has finally sent out a save the date for their next televised hearing, which is set for September 28th. There is no specified topic set for the session yet, but committee chair Benny Thompson says that they intend to put together an interim report in mid-October and will finalize their report by the end of the year. Like Mariah says, all I want for Christmas is that report. In a separate but related DOJ investigation into January 6th, there have been reportedly upwards of 40 subpoenas sent to Trump aides in recent weeks. And yesterday, the FBI seized the phone of the MyPillow guy, Mike Lindell, in the execution of a search warrant. They also served him a subpoena for a grand jury in Colorado where he has previously been linked to at least one ongoing investigation related to campaign funds for his colleague and fellow election denier, Tina Peters. Peters works as a county clerk in Mesa County and is facing multiple felony charges for allegedly breaching voting machines in her own office and then leaking the data to conspiracy theorists. After the leak, Peters went into hiding in one of Lindell's safe houses. Unfortunately, we're gonna have to save the conversation around what this pillow maker needs multiple safe houses for for another time. In case this story can't get any weirder, Lindell's phone was seized at a Hardee's. Key information in terms of the who, what, when, where, and why of it all. Maybe call Tina Peters. Sounds like she owes him one. Thanks to the multitude of late-blooming Trump administration tell-alls, the Senate Judiciary Committee is opening up an inquiry into claims that were made in the upcoming memoir by former U.S. Attorney Jeffrey Berman, Holding the Line. 
The Senate Judiciary Committee is investigating whether the DOJ tried to use the Manhattan U.S. Attorney's Office to go after Trump's political adversaries. Berman served as the federal prosecutor in the Southern District of New York for half of Trump's presidency. And in his book, he claims that he was repeatedly pressured by Trump's DOJ officials to take actions that would aid Trump politically, including investigating former Secretary of State John Kerry and halting prosecution into Michael Cohen after Trump was sort of named in the indictment as individual one. After Bill Barr became the attorney general, he wanted to overturn Cohen's conviction altogether until he was persuaded otherwise. And he also paused investigations into potential campaign violations of people in Trump's orbit. Berman was finally fired by the administration in June 2020 after Barr tried to encourage him to resign and find him other jobs, allegedly because he was investigating the activity of Rudy Giuliani. I mean, can you even throw a rock in DC without hitting someone who's investigating Rudy Giuliani? R. Kelly has been found guilty by an Illinois jury on six counts of child pornography and enticement of a minor, out of the 13 charges against him. The five-week trial covered numerous accusations from several women that he lured them into sex acts as minors, filmed them without their consent, and then conspired to intimidate and bribe witnesses of that abuse in a previous criminal trial against him. Kelly is already serving a 30-year prison sentence, and it's likely that his time will increase after this new sentencing given that people with similar convictions have received an average sentence of 23 years in prison. While 150,000 residents of Jackson, Mississippi remain under a boil water notice, the EPA is now investigating and has sent personnel to the city to collect data and conduct interviews. This is an important and positive development given that similar investigations in Flint, Michigan have led to criminal charges and lawsuits. Here's hoping. Meanwhile, the real reason I'm bringing this up is because we now have reason to believe there are some serious questions about how public funding is allocated in Mississippi. You may remember that formerly important football player Brett Favre has been implicated as the recipient of over a million dollars from the state that was actually intended for welfare recipients. Both Favre and the former Mississippi Governor Phil Bryant initially claimed to have no idea how the funding found its way to Favre, but new texts have been released in the course of the ongoing civil lawsuit, and they show that Favre and Bryant clearly attempted to channel $5 million out of state welfare funds to instead build a new volleyball stadium at his daughter's college, the University of Southern Mississippi, and that this stadium would be named after Favre, and that he would be paid to promote the stadium. Bryant, who formerly claimed he knew nothing about this, even guided Favre on how to write a funding proposal so that it would be accepted by the Mississippi Department of Human Services. If you're a little confused on how the governor could just essentially hand a former athlete a million dollars, this was engineered by a friend of Favre's named Nancy New, who was in the position of running a nonprofit that was in charge of spending tens of millions of dollars of flexible federal welfare money. This was part of a bigger pattern in the state. According to forensic auditors, nonprofit leaders had misspent at least $77 million in funding. And Nancy New pleaded guilty to 13 felony counts, though Favre and Bryant haven't yet been charged with any crimes. Maybe now would be a good time to mention that Mississippi ranks 43rd in the nation in terms of education. But by all means, Brett Favre's daughter's volleyball team should have the finest stadium that misappropriated welfare funds can buy. Thank you for listening to the morning announcements and thanks again to our partner, BetterHelp. 
BetterHelp is therapy done securely online, so you never have to worry about sitting in a waiting room again. It's available to clients worldwide and more affordable than traditional offline therapy. And financial aid is available as well. Visit betterhelp.com slash announcements. That's better H-E-L-P to get 10% off your first month. Join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Personally, therapy has been life-changing for me. I feel so grateful that I've been able to improve my mental health by speaking to someone at a regular cadence for the past several years. And I also like doing therapy remotely. My therapist and I have been remote since 2020, and I find that it is so convenient and so much easier than going in person. So for 10% off of your first month, go to betterhelp.com slash announcements. Until tomorrow, I'm Sammy Sage, and now you know what the fuck is going on.